The Dharma talk this morning is titled, A Part of Me, you've said this before, well, a part of me wants to do this, and another part of me wants to do that. And my comment on that is, when we do that, you're taking the very um, intelligence, the very awareness that is necessary to see deeply into whatever your particular situation is, your neurosis, your suffering, your difficulty, your challenges, and deliberately dividing it back up again. So rather than just being aware, that's with a capital A, by the way. Rather than just being aware of that divisions arising in your the substrate of your consciousness coming up, do not ignore that. Do not give that a credential by saying, well, a part of me, don't be casual about what's arising out of your deep consciousness. Or, or go ahead and do that. The problems, if, if we do that, is we tend to continue to spin and go towards the things we like and, and reject the things we do not like or hate, and so on. <clears throat> Ego self-centeredness likes that, because then we're free to do whatever we want. We're empowered to, you know, we can live our life, we can... So part of me wants to... Uh, live in a Buddhist monastery, and another part of me wants to uh, uh, do a lot of weed. And that probably happens. It might sound kind of bizarre, but probably occurs. So my main message here for everybody, for anybody that gives me permission to talk, which you do when you walk in here, is train your mind. Don't live another day without training your mind without working on what the awareness actually is rather than buying into your thought patterns. Don't believe your thoughts. If you believe your thoughts, you'll suffer. You'll start to go in circles and you'll think it's a straight line. The only time we can see that things are in circles, and I'm sure you'll recognize this, is when we watch someone else. Have you noticed how easy it is to see the way someone else keeps going around and around and around? So easy to see other people's issues and very difficult to see this. <clears throat> so the Buddha's Dharma, going back 2,500 years, is not about believing in something, nor is it about disbelieving in something. It is about awareness. The very word Buddha means awake, means aware. What did the Buddha awaken to, as far as we know? He awoke to dependent origination, that everything is dependently arisen. There, there's no separate thing anywhere. Even your consciousness is not separated, separate from other consciousnesses. Awareness, consciousness does not belong to anyone. If you think it does, you'll suffer. Or you'll fight with your world. Or you'll join your world, and then you'll fight with it. And then you join, then you fight, then you join. A part of me wants to, a part of me, don't buy into that schizophrenic, to use the common psychological term. In Buddhist term would just be delusion. Fighting with whatever arises, joining. Fighting and joining are both difficult. Hope and fear. Hope for something better, fear for, of something worse. Hope and fear are traps. Uh, they're, they're sometimes called bandits who rob your wisdom mind of its clarity.
You can't create a wisdom mind. You can't destroy a wisdom mind. But you could stop avoiding it. Stop avoiding it. <clears throat> and how do we do that? Slow down. Sit still. Watch the way the mind works. It's that simple. You don't have to believe in this Buddhism. It seems to have some kind of support or form, like we chanted the sutras. We recite the four vows. We have some kind of form or structure. But it's not something we believe in. I'm not saying that you don't believe things. Of course, we believe some things. But it's not necessary to believe something in order to work with that particular idea or that uh, understanding or that concept. Don't believe anything. Don't disbelieve anything and don't ignore anything. Where does that leave you? Nowhere. Ego doesn't like being nowhere. It wants a reference point. I'm a Buddhist, or I'm a Christian, or I'm a, an atheist, or I'm a, a shaman. Me, 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 me and what I know and what I do and what I know about. Bullshit. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just what you need. A part of me wants the bullshit, and another part of me wants really shiny, clear, chocolate-covered bullshit. <laughs> Well, you know what I'm saying. We will take something that's really negative and difficult if we can cover it over with something that's kind of likable, that's okay, that's accept that is acceptable. <clears throat> so what this comment does when it arises, we're not saying that you're wrong. We're not saying that what arises in your mind of being not sure about something don't force the selection. Don't force the choice. Allow yourself to not know. Not, allow yourself to be clueless. I say sometimes, uh, to use a, a spatial metaphor, back up a quarter of an inch. Back up into the, uh, the not knowing mind rather than, uh, rather than um, uh, bring yourself out of it into some kind of, uh, well, a part of me wants and a part of me. Don't discuss this with anybody. Because all you're going to get from the other person, unless it's Sangha, if it's other people who are training their mind, there's a good chance they'll just listen to you and won't comment. If they start commenting, then they may be just as crazy as you are. Not accusing of anything. Insanity is just a description. It's not a judgment. <clears throat> if you like to continue to go in circles, be my guest. If you want to realize who you are and see what what is fundamentally true for yourself not you don't even have to become a buddhist i think it helps as i've said many times you, we need some kind of a structure but it's not one we believe in as opposed to other things that we don't believe in
So when thoughts arise about anything, should I do? Should I? Should I move to California? Should I stay here? Should I? Should I? What should I do? <clears throat> Back up a little bit and look at that. Look at that differentiation that's going on. There's a, there's only one witness of that. There's only one consciousness that is seeing that, and that consciousness is not delighted. But we tend to divide it up into, I should and I shouldn't, or maybe I should do this, maybe I shouldn't do that. What do you think about what I'm not thinking, what I'm thinking? What do you think about, what, how do you feel, what do you think? What do you think I should do? I'm not saying that people don't have some insight or possibly even helpful to that. But a lot of times conversations around that are circular. And give the illusion of actually getting somewhere. So just before you say, well, a part of me, just stop. Don't say that. Continue to, don't shut down the feeling. Just like I sometimes say with people when, they're, when you're working with anger. Don't, don't try to turn it off or don't go to war with war. Don't, go to, don't get angry with anger. Actually, be respectful of your confusion. You're not going to be able to pull yourself out of the nose, the nosedive of uh, relative truth, the believing in this and disbelieving in that, by fighting with anything. It's called the middle way. Not too tight, not too loose. Notice the anger coming up, or notice the 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 disturbance coming up. As should I should I do that, or should I do this, and just. Don't do anything unless you have to. Just let that be there. Fancy word for that is patience. Some sometimes people think that means to wait for something you don't that you're nervous about or wish would happen, wish would get over with. This, this is why it's such a powerful thing to begin to do with your mind, to just observe what's happening. Just, just allow things to happen with no comment. Even though there's an impulse to comment on things, well, a part of me wants. See if you can do that. I, I doubt, I'm not saying you can't, but I doubt that you can do that unless you have some kind of strong mind training, awareness training. What we do here is shikantaza, sit down, hold still, all the senses are open, in particular the eyes, look at the wall, look at the floor, whatever, wherever you're at, just look at something that's where nothing is happening there. And watch what continues to move. And in this way, instead of it strengthening the thought process of thinking about this, should I do that, should I do this, how about this, should I, should, should I? All based on the, the the problem with that is that the actual evidence around that is all fictitious in the first place. Beliefs about the nature of reality, that things are separate. So, but so when you sit down and hold still and you watch what moves, what gets stronger is that what I sometimes call an invisible muscle called the awareness. You become more 
and more aware of what's moving. And it could be very difficult to do. The things that are rising in the mind stream could be <clears throat> anger, uh, irritation, frustration, uh, subconscious gossip, conscious gossip, things about other people, what they've said, what they did, what's happened to you. And I would say always receive. The most important kind of generosity that as students of this teaching or students of awareness practice, the most important form of generosity, as far as I can see, is to give everything your attention. Don't hold back. Anything that's happening, observe that. And don't cover it up by adding on your ideas, your opinions, your judgments, and your acceptance or rejection. Do nothing with it. Very similar to watching metaphors are all over the place. Clouds in the sky. Interesting. None of your business. Just observe. Whatever's happening, especially what's happening in your mind stream when you're, you are reacting to what somebody else is saying or doing or not doing. Any reaction that you have there is, the very nature of that is delusion. Because it builds up uh, what is also being affirmed or built up by saying, a part of me wants this, a part of me wants that. Don't separate anything. Unless you do, and then what do we do with that? Just be aware of that. Come to no conclusions. You don't need conclusions. You don't need opinions. All opinions are are protections for ego. Excuse me. An opinion is something where you just shut down because now you know what is true, what's not true. And the things that, uh, if you feel like you need opinions to protect yourself, I'm not saying you don't have to have an opinion that fire is hot and that water is wet. Of course, some things, it's not a matter of having an opinion about it. It's just obvious what it is. <clears throat> so with each person, everyone in here has a different uh, combination of causes and conditions that arise as your particular body form, your mind, the way you the way you think about things, the way you don't think about some things, and the way you're really focused on some things, and the way you're really kind of ignoring other things, and the way you're really good at thinking in a certain way, maybe logically, or another way where you can't really think logically at all, but you're very intuitive. Or maybe you don't have either one of those. You're just a bunny rabbit. It's not a joke, so it's good you didn't laugh. In other words, maybe you're just hopping around. You, know, you don't know. You don't know. You think you might have some intuition, but you don't know. You don't even know what an intuition is. You think you might have some kind of a logical ability, but then when you meet somebody who's very logical, you feel intimidated and don't want to cross swords with them, even though you might actually be able to think much more clearly than they can. Don't believe your thoughts about yourself. Why? There isn't one. When you believe that you are this way or that way or this way or that way, you just reify, solidify, and freeze that image of yourself. This is a very highly sophisticated form of ego or self-centeredness. And it is not to be gotten rid of 
it is to be seen through. Because if you try to get rid of it, it will fight back. All you have to do is see that it is unreal. And that's where the work begins. If you have questions, you're welcome. When we see what is unreal, what is the work that continues or that shows up? Uh, it's very subtle in that area. We begin to see that it's unreal and you have to look at it in such a way that it doesn't solidify into an opinion. Because if it solidifies, uh, this is when you, you hear the teachings where you say it's both real and unreal. So you could say, uh, was that nightmare I just had real? Well, it was at three in the morning when you were having it. It was the only thing that had any reality as you were being chased by a, what, a bulldozer or something. It was real. So it's both real and yet it's unreal. Seeing that at the same time is what needs to, it seems, what needs to occur without taking any position on it. Anytime we take a position, it's a very subtle form of spiritual materialism, trying to use spiritual techniques to get somewhere, to accomplish something, to get more enlightened. Is the fundamental truth that you talk about different than seeing what is unreal without locking down? Yes. Seeing what is unreal without locking down is the path. The fundamental truth doesn't have any dynamics to it. At least not that I can find. And of course I'm speaking out of enlightenment. <laughs> So enlightenment, since we're, uh, I brought up the subject, enlightenment is not a state of mind. It would, if you were going to use con concepts, it's more like no mind. It's not. It doesn't doesn't reify, substantiate, or protect, or elevate, or give a foundation to some kind of identity that's ahead of everybody else and knows things no one else knows. Even though it's talked about that way in the teachings, because how else are you going to magnify, uh, magnetize a lot of really crazy people in society without s building up something? Because if you just say, how would you like to be nobody? You're not going to sell very good on Amazon or anywhere else. So you have to talk about it in such a way that it, it brings people in. There's different stages to the path. Ground path and fruition. The ground is suffering. If you're suffering and you hear about this, uh, that it's possible to not suffer, you're probably going to be interested. But how that's done and how that shows up may take some time. We've all been here lifetime after lifetime. This is not your first visit to this planet or any planet. How do I know? I don't know. It's a much easier way to know things than not to not know them. Question. A question from Sanho in Oklahoma. He asks, how can we support someone feeling extreme conflict? Don't join them. Don't reject them. And don't abandon them. 
Just be with them. If something needs to be done for that person, they will let you know. So in other words, what I, all of you have heard me say, more than likely, don't, don't help anybody without their permission. I don't talk to anybody and try to convert someone to Buddhism. Or try to even try to get them to meditate, unless they come and say, I'm having a hard time, I don't know what to do. I said, well, what are you doing so far? I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to drink more water. <clears throat> I'm doing yoga. and uh, I'm going to a counselor. I'm going to two counselors. I'm going to a counselor, and I'm also trying to practice uh, meditation. So when I hear that, I think, okay, well, how can I help you? And that person will tell you usually how they can't help you. That's what they'll tell you first. And you have to understand how they might be open to some help. Most most people are not open to it. They, they want to continue on their own tilt-a-whirl, their own merry-go-round, their own Ferris wheel, round and around, thinking it's a straight line towards happiness. There is no other place called happiness. If there is a happiness, it's right here. <laughs> uh, wasn't there another one that went the other way? In the yeah, light, yeah, everything looks like, like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I can't think of that <laughs> one. That's the, yeah, the darkness that's the one. one that's, it uh, just means that it's, it's uh, a similar statement would be uh, what I just said. I, I, how do I know? I don't know. It's not about knowledge. It's not about relative materialistic knowledge. It is called, that's why it's called transcendent. That's why it's called uh, prajna. That's why it's called wisdom. It's a knowing that transcends a knower and transcends the known. There's no, there's no longer anyone who knows anything. And there's no longer anyone, anything that is known. So therefore, from the relative point of view, in order to teach it, you have to talk about it as darkness. But from the ultimate point of view, it's not separate. Light and dark are... There's, uh, to be positive about it, there's only light. Even, even darkness is just light. It's, you know, I, I'm using relative words to say that. I think, well, it doesn't really make any sense. Well, it doesn't make relative sense. More? Well, it, it ties into something that has been showing up in my mind these last couple of days about um, like describing or understanding samsara or samsaric existence. And I'm curious, it, are, are words a description of samsara or uh, is, is using language to describe anything actually just describing samsara? Anytime you open your mouth, and this is, uh, you can ask questions about this, but I need to say it very directly so that questions will come about. Anytime you say anything, uh, it's untrue. It's relative truth. And it, it took me a while to even be able to sit up here and do this because every time I would get close to it, I would think, well, I don't know how to say this. I'll just be lying. I'll just be a pack of lies. And it was only when I saw the, the, the truth and lies, and I'm not, I'm not a political person, so you don't need to go in that area. But the truth and lies are not that separate from each other. It's just this. It's only when you grasp onto one thing or the other, when you reject one and accept the other, Part of me wants, part of me wants, that's that uh, fundamental uh, dissatisfaction at the, at, the, at the basis of our thinking process that doesn't like what's here. The, the, second, uh, the first noble truth is life is suffering. He didn't say part-time. And it's not nihilism, it's just true. 
you have a bunch of nerve endings, you're not going to be too comfortable because most of the time it isn't a feather going over the back of your hand, it's a, a nail or a railroad spike. More? Well, what's the difference between a description and a judgment? The judgment is uh, an evaluation of something. Something you point out to? Yeah, something that is this way and not that way. Whereas a description could be just uh, words about something. It's blue, it's red, it's large, it's small. It's moving, it's standing still. It's both moving and standing still. It's both red and it's blue. It's both small, small and it's large. You start to get into that, and this is where poets come from, because then they, they want to just do things with the words that they want to build anti-gravity machines. Musicians do that, too. Go ahead. Earlier you had said there's, um, you shouldn't have hope or fear. Uh, just so I can better understand that, the way I kind of rephrase it in my mind is from the words of the wise Yoda, uh, do or do not, there is no try. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that along the same lines of what you were getting at? Somewhat, okay. except he was not real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm not, I'm not lying to say that none of us are really real. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that. It's just that it, it just becomes something to talk about and uh, to tie what we're saying into some kind of a... This, this, this is hard to do. I don't think you can do meditation as a hobby. I mean, you can. You could, you could meditate as a hobby. You could have a mindfulness practice and, and probably calm down quite a bit. But the fundamental neurosis or the fundamental difficulty or the fundamental um, fear gets buried by the feelings of getting somewhere. Uh, this uh, my teacher Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche has a book called Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism that talks about that using spiritual techniques to rise above the, the the temporary difficulties we're having and being a more peaceful, kind, loving person. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. It's just that if you do that by covering up your own neurosis, covering up your own anger, then it's that you're going to have difficulty being genuine about it. And if anything comes along. You have an emotional tsunami coming out of uh, uh, the 13th century or uh, three weeks ago or when you were four years old that wants to have a hearing and it comes roaring out of the out of nowhere in the middle of your birthday party you know you, you won't be able to stop that if you're if you're functioning by trying to cover things up because it wants and it will break into that situation whereas if the awareness is trained from the basis is trained all the way down that insight or that understanding, that awareness is not leaving anything out. It's going all the way through everything. Then whatever comes in is welcome. Someone who is clear uh, is not going to shut down on anything. Even though it may look like it to others. Others, because others are judging. People get, get through their life by judging other people. Have you noticed that? I think they're not doing so well. But these people over there are doing pretty good. Andrew. What does it mean to be genuine? Uh, to, to stop uh, covering up your uh, craziness, to stop covering up your negativity, 
to stop pretending that you're you're something that you're not. To not not cover anything up. This doesn't mean express when you have a, you know, I just have to be me. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. Or, well, I just have to express my anger. No, you don't. Being genuine may not show up as an expression at all. It may just be no longer avoiding your negativity, no longer uh, no longer uh, 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 covering over anything that's happening in your mind stream. That would be a way of talking about it. Be, be genuine. Be be sincere with yourself, so that if you make friends with this, as has been said before. You won't have any enemies because most enemies are projections of your unexamined aggression. I'll say it again. Most enemies are projections of the aggression that you can't deal with by being genuine. You don't have to get rid of aggression. If you try to get rid of aggression, then it, it looks like it's out there and it's something you can do something about. Whole nations are doing this, blaming others. Lock and load. They have atomic weapons. Did, did, ever, did you ever look at these atomic weapons and think that this is the height of the capital H of insanity to do this? It's just, we may not live through it. More about genuine? Do we need a clear division between what we see in ourselves and what we express to be genuine? So, uh, that's when I say, don't do anything unless you have to. So, in other words, don't don't just blurt things out, which I don't think you do. But I'm I'm saying just, and, and at the same time, don't uh, blurt things in. In other words, don't go the other way and make comments on yourself about this, and they shouldn't, and they shouldn't. And when you do when you do that, don't necessarily add on a comment like, I shouldn't do that. Internal correction is uh, not too workable. That's why it's so important. This is why after. Uh, practicing myself for what 45 years or whatever it's been, long time. It took me a long time. It took me decades to see how to do this. I didn't even start teaching like this until I don't know 10 years ago, 12 years, something like that. And what I've understood from my own practice is the very best thing you can do. And I've done lots of different practices, is to sit down and find out who you are. So you don't get your identity from anyone else. Don't get it from your society. You don't get it from your your fear. You don't get it from your hope. You don't get it from you don't even get it from your sangha. You don't get it even get it from the Buddha. If you go up here, it's paranoid. If you go down here, it's fear. If you go in here, the the, the downside of this one it's hope. But go deeper into that. Find out what this is. Find out who this is. Don't give me, I don't do multiple choice. Okay. One question. Do we do that through just sitting and listening to our own thoughts? That's part of it. We do it through sitting and just observing the thoughts without interfering with them. If we try to interfere, then we're building a, a, a one who can interfere. We go right into control, trying to control our emotions. You can't control something you didn't create. Let me finish with this gentleman first. Uh, uh, I, I guess my, the 
follow up of that is how do you observe without um, without your thoughts disappearing? I guess uh, when I observe my thoughts, they, they it, just sink oh, into the. That won't last. Nothing lasts. Thoughts disappearing doesn't last. Thoughts appearing doesn't last. Nothing lasts. But the only way you're going to find that out in your own uh, consciousness is to sit down and do a lot of practice. Sit down, look at all. That's why we have six and a half hours of scheduled meditation every weekday. And I didn't, I didn't get that from somebody else, from something I was told. I got that from what I saw in my own mind and the having been trained as a meditation instructor in 1978, talking for talking to hundreds of people over many, many years. It seems necessary to encourage people if they want to find out who they are, if they want to be sane, fundamentally sane, not getting somebody else to say, you're so sane, you're so reasonable, you're so enlightened. Getting your ideas from someone else or your... Or your Finding out your status from somebody else. And it's not that you can't do that. You can't have a conversation where somebody says, I think you're, you're doing good, or you make comments on it. You can't listen to that and say, oh, thanks, or something. So we don't, we're not dropping out of it, so we're suddenly this, this uh, person who can't talk or can't do anything because you're, you're trying not to be false. So sitting down besides what you said, sitting down, training the mind, um, I'm not saying that you have to be a Buddhist, but this uh, is a 2,500-year-old tradition that has very strong structures and forms and uh, uh, concepts that point to uh, the, the understanding of, uh, a true understanding of emptiness, the true understanding of Buddha nature or awakened truth. And so you have a practice and you have a teacher Someone who's been around a while longer than you have. Uh, they may be enlightened, they may not. You aren't going to know. You aren't going to know if anybody's enlightened until you're enlightened. Until that time, it's all opinion. You may have an opinion of me, uh, me that I'm enlightened. You, have, you may have an opinion that I'm not enlightened. You may have uh, a thought that you're not sure. All of them are relative truth. And so sit down, face the wall, do a lot of it. Study the study the, the material so that your your ego mind, your conceptual mind, which is uh, is secured and protected and has a shell around it of concepts protecting it from being investigated by the, the various uh, thought patterns that go around that keep you from um, coming into a place like this uh, or keep you from sitting down in front of the front of the wall or keep you from training your mind. Ego doesn't want to be discovered. It wants to keep throwing out opinions and ideas and judgments and maybe I should go here, maybe I should go there. A part of me wants to study Zen, but then I think maybe these Tibetan Buddhists have something and they have these really colorful things, so they're more involved in color and you know expression and so on. For the Zen, that's kind of dark and gloomy. You know, I like the colorful, but, but a part of me wants likes that dark area because that's actually kind of how I feel, dark and gloomy. And then we say, maybe I should study shamanism. Anybody know any shamans? The only one I know is Shoka. And he's on vacation from shamanism <laughs> because he's a monk. And I won't let him shamanize for a while. Or maybe I should. Maybe, maybe I should. Part of me wants to 
part of me wants to just go back into, uh, I've actually had students who are now, now uh, have gone back to being Christians. It's not my fault, man. <laughs> and you know what I would say about that? That's totally what they should be doing. I, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, uh, I'm not going to mention any names. I shouldn't be doing that. No, I think, well, of course, because I've talked to them, I know how they have a pretty good idea. And I'm not a mind reader, but I have a pretty good idea of how they're functioning. And I think, yeah, I can see that's a possibility because the way they grasp, this is not to say that they couldn't have a profound, wonderful, religious, spiritual uh, life of uh, practicing uh, uh, the imitation of Christ. <clears throat> Part of me, a part of me, a part of you. Don't do it. Don't do anything. Might even be better for you to not meditate at all. Don't do anything. Why don't you just hang out with yourself for a couple of years? Yes. When you're talking about when you say a part of me, you say we said we divide up our consciousness mm -hmm. when we do that. You also talk about um, how the identity is discontinuous. Mm -hmm. So, what's the difference between discontinuous and it's very similar. It's just that you're actively making discontinuation. You're actively participating in the confusion and calling it thinking. And calling it, this is a saying. Um, a part of me wants this, and a part of me wants that. Is is a, a deliberately figuring things out. And you know, I'm not saying you can't figure out how to light a campfire. I cannot say you can't figure out how to paint a wall. Or figure things out, but if, if the relative situation is really strong and really obvious, you can. And what happens is we get magnetized by, you know, if I can sew uh, a quilt, or if I can, if I can learn how to add, which I know you're really good at adding. Don't you have a degree in math? Yeah. Probably those other ones too. Uh, what is it? Division, long division. I bet you're good at that. <laughs> so we get magnetized by that and then we tend to because we get kind of terrified at times we get afraid of what of the unknown of what's happening with us and we we instead of just going into the unknown go into the dark woods which i encourage people to do i say just go in there go in go into it. how do you do that sit down hold still and watch the way you keep avoiding the, that aspect of your consciousness that is, uh, is is dark, dark light, not not separate. More. Is seeing the division occur um, the same as seeing the dis uh, discontinuous? Yeah, all you have to do is see it. Don't have to correct anything, but it's very tempting. The self-centered mind, the ego mind, wants to fix it or make it better or polish it or straighten it up or clean your room. It wants something else. When when actually seeing the discontinuity, this is what the Buddha awoke to 2,500 years ago. And don't believe a word I say. It's not going to help you to believe anything I say. But you don't have to disbelieve it or look away from it. Just listen to what I'm saying. Contemplate what I'm saying. When he awoke, here he is awakening. He's in the dark, he's in the dark, he's in the dark, and he awakens. And what does he see? Confusion, delusion, disturbance. That's his awakening. That's his awakening. And when he does that, he sees that everyone is awake also. They just don't know it.
You can do that. You can awaken. Just don't turn away from your, your neurosis. Don't turn, whatever you want to call it, discontinuity. Just observe it. Don't fix it. Don't, don't worry your tool belt. <laughs> don't do anything with it. And it will probably be, depending on the causes and conditions that arise, as this young woman, it probably will be difficult because it isn't just this lifetime we're dealing with. We're dealing, you, you are not separate from all the lifetimes that have ever occurred. Some of us are more tied into certain ones than others. <clears throat> more? Give me one question. What is the fear that feels like it has to choose something? That's that's uh, that's the self-centeredness that has been unexamined that thinks it needs. It's threatened by that. The who you are is threatened by the not knowing feeling. So we grasp on. That's how you got in this fix in the first place. You became a human being. So here you are. the The downside is. It feels like this. The upside is you're in a position where you can actually look at it. You don't have to go and get. If you take this to any uh, um, um, uh, our uh, medical community, it's not that they can't medicate you. It's in some cases, you know, some medication is wonderful and it does help because it's a very relative situation. But what we're talking about here, you, you don't need meds, you don't need any drugs, you don't need anything. You need an awareness practice, as far as I can see. And what do I know? Maybe I'm, maybe I don't know. But you're asking me, so I would say, find out who you are. Be, have a willingness to just not know, just not have, let that, if someone comes and confronts you and wants you to choose, just say, I don't know. And, and say it in such a way that, that you don't have to say this, but say it as if you, you embody that. It doesn't matter if I ever know. I don't know is a powerful thing to say rather than some kind of, oh, I don't know, but I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Go ahead. Yes. Anything can be ignorance. More? Seto. Um, if we see the same emotions coming up again and again, do we ever need to see where they're coming from? No. You don't need a source. Because a source will just take you back around to what's the source of that? It's like the why question that I try to encourage people to do what questions, which stop everything in front of you, rather than why. Because why is circular. Why? Because. Why? Why is that? Because of that. Why is that? Because of that. Why is that? And then four things will pop up because of those. Uh-oh. So, yeah, you don't need to... I mean, very simply, of course, you know, it's, uh, even the Buddha did this. Why, why is there suffering? Because, uh, second noble truth, because we want things to be different than they are. However they are, we don't like it. And of course, the path to liberation is no longer uh, looking for something else. It's right here, right now. Yes. Um, Bosker from Houston. 
He says, I understand the concept of watching what is moving during city meditation and I'm trying my best to do that. Is mindfulness of daily activities a way to go, a way to do the same thing off the cushion? Or should we go one step further and try to watch being mindful? So the, uh, <clears throat> my experience is that the most important thing to do is to spend a lot of time on the cushion being bored. Or being what, or whatever comes up, hold still, watch what moves. The mind goes this way, it goes that way. So that seems to be the, the area where the awareness gets stretched or strengthened or supported or enhanced or prioritized so that when you step off, leave the cushion, to put it very literally, and move into your everyday life of chopping vegetables or doing dishes, relating to your coworkers, your friends, your family, uh, then there's more openness. You won't notice it. It's not something you can see. Other people might notice it before you do. They might notice that you're not quite so talkative as you were, or maybe you're more talkative, but they might notice some kind of a change and might not know what it is. Uh, but you may not notice much because you're always yourself, whatever that is. And so you're just there. So I don't teach any kind of... Uh, um, the only, only um, uh, meditation in action that I teach is uh, called halfway measures, which I've just talked about recently, which anytime you're going from here, rather than try to be mi maintain mindfulness, maintenance, uh, the, the problem with maintaining mindfulness, it, it creates a maintainer, and that slowly builds up a credit in the self-centered mind, in the seventh consciousness, according to Yogacara, of a little, little thin onion skin layer of pride that I'm actually more and more aware. I'm so aware. I'm getting more and more aware of everything that's happening. This is just bullshit. And I'm not saying that, that something can't arise that way that could be helpful, but I wouldn't put too much, uh, uh, too many, uh, uh, too much, uh, what is that called? That stuff that's like valuable. Gold. Yeah. Huh? Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Too many Bitcoins. So halfway measures is like anything you're doing, and you know, this is a simple one I use, you're, you're getting ready to strike the bell, instead of striking it, stop. And just look at that space. And you're, we're doing this all the time. There are all kinds of starts and stops in our life. I'm, I'm getting up to go from here to get a cup of coffee. Notice the halfway point, those halfway points. I think it just is helpful because it doesn't maintain a, a, an awareness doesn't maintain a, an awareness person or an identity of one who is aware, one who is mindful. It's, it's, it's slippery. Uh, it's a slippery, what do they call that, slope? Yes. Um, two questions from Joey in Oklahoma. Uh, Joey, a friend of Sanjo's. Okay. Um, he asks, are opinions judgments? Yes. And secondly, when does not knowing become ignorance? Thank you. When you don't realize that you're not knowing. You get a credential from it, or when, when, it, when it becomes a, uh, a reaction to something, rather than something you're actually, uh, you see that you don't know and you're not objecting to that. You see that you don't, don't know and you're not agreeing with it. You see that you don't know, you're doing nothing with it, no fiddling around. If you do nothing with it, nothing lasts. But it will perpetuate itself if you go to war with it. War tends to 
stretch out, if you fight, if any kind of tension. But if you do nothing with it, then it has a it naturally runs out as this, the the metaphor. It runs out of steam because the steam is produced by pressure, pushing, pulling. And we runs out of steam, runs out of heat. Joseph, you had said some of the effects of uh, the difference between uh, meditating as a hobby, yes, and meditating as a sincerely um, devoted practice. Meditation awareness practice. Yes. So, is there is there a way to see, or are there indications um, right in the present about okay, oh, I'm doing this as a hobby, or so I'm using that. I, I I don't mean to do that as judging people. I'm just saying that you you can do this as kind of a something you just want to add on to your life that you're not going to do. Uh, put some energy into, and that's not wrong. Some people are not ready to do this. This is a lot of work. So, and then when I say hobby, I'm just—I uh, don't mean to be uh, uh, sarcastic about it or something like that. But it, it is more like something someone does, like they go golfing. Well, I'm going to go meditate now. I'm going to do yoga. But but this kind of practice, uh, as those of you who've been doing this for a while have found, that it, it goes way beyond the hobby level. And if you're ready to do that. I'm ready to help you. If you're ready to do that, this Sangha is ready to help you. But if you're not ready to do that, then do something else. No one's going to follow along. There's no, no gossip when you leave. No one says, oh, they really should have stayed here. This would have been so helpful to them. That never happens here. When they leave, they just someone might say, I'll miss that person. So there's nothing wrong with, I don't say, just like the person I mentioned a uh, few moments ago that went back into uh, Christian and then became a Buddhist for many, many years and became a student of mine for a short time and just decided to go back uh, uh, a different direction. Not incorrect. That Their own causes and conditions, their karma and the way they worked with meditation, they were, the way they worked with me as a teacher, uh, was not surprising to me that that happened. More about that? I mean, I, I, maybe I shouldn't call it a hobby. Maybe I could, would it be better if I said meditation light? <laughs> Sorry. L-I-T-E. Huh? L-I-T-E. L-I-T-E, yeah. So, and, you know, I think it's great that all over that's become very popular. I mean, uh, the whole, uh, I mean, you can make a lot of money teaching meditation. I mean, I can't. <laughs> I don't make any money from this. But, but if I were to go out and promote myself as a, uh, you know, especially a former monk, you know, who now teaches awareness. But go on the internet and say, meditate. You'll find seminars where they charge lots and lots of money to go someplace and sit down, and then they'll uh, teach you how to do this. I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying anything about it other than there's lots of ways of looking at this. And making it a hobby is not an evil word, particularly. It's just not not going in uh, as deep as we would do here so that you understand what it means when I'm saying uh, um, only don't know. I mean, knowing is a relative truth. Anything you know, it's relative. Because it's opposed to not knowing. Yes, Joseph? You said, uh, you said don't have standards. Don't um, set up standards. Don't set up standards. When 
when I go out tomorrow for the rest of my week, I've got a booklet full of standards uh-huh. that I'm supposed to follow. That's because you're a teacher. Um, Quit your job. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no, don't quit. But what's your question? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Spiritual path and mundane path. What's the difference? So I, I say, you know, there, of course there's a difference. A mundane path is, uh, you know, making a living. And we have to do, everybody who's living and is eating uh, other living things. Uh, is going to have to figure out a way to do that, or understand a way, or, or be, or work out of their, how they were conditioned, or out of their culture, or out of new things they learned. And there's just so many different things. To us, but it's a mundane situation because it's there's a uh, this uh, this uh, organism needs to keep going. So there's all of those things to consider. And the spiritual path is uh, uh, is about seeing what this fundamentally is. So that it, the understanding actually begins to transcend life and death. We're not. Most people actually think they are uh, a physical form, and they might they might imagine they have some kind of spiritual or soul or something like that, and they might go that direction. But if if you if you threaten, if the body is threatened, uh, the intense fear comes up because we're so identified with the body. Unless you see who you actually are, and then I'm not saying you wouldn't run away from being murdered, of course, or try to keep that from happening. But the fear about it uh, might turn into curiosity about it, rather than, because you realize that who you are can't be destroyed, can't destroy this. It has, it's, it's not created the consciousness that is operating, or you could say, within this physical realm of existence, non-existence, uh, did not come into being, and it can't pass out of being. And don't believe a word I say. Find out for yourself. Find out so that you know. Not an opinion. No fire is hot. Not an opinion. Oh, I think, well, it's my opinion that fire will burn you. Any other questions? What, what is consciousness without any of the sensorium? I don't know. Not much. In terms of quantity, in terms of thingness, in terms of some kind of phenomenological dynamic happening, but but it's but it's uh, attached to uh, ideas, opinions, thought process, concepts, judgments, evaluations, beliefs, fears. The fears are quite often that's why they call them fears. Is we don't know exactly what they are. We just know they're scary or they're challenging. So I, the, the way I would say this, but it's not going to be helpful to you, I would say it's not separate. That's what consciousness, it doesn't belong to, consciousness doesn't belong to anybody. The very, the very seeing, it goes through, you're seeing me, or uh, hearing me, or whatever is functioning, is, is going through this whole sensorium we call a human being. But what it's actually hearing is, uh, is, is not, subject to uh, life and death. I'm not saying that ears just dies and you can't hear, but hearing uh, transcends all of that. Seeing transcends all of that. Like, 
an example, and you could say, well, this is just has to do with the brain or with nerves or something. Just a, a, a dream you have at night is something you're seeing, you're experiencing, you hear things. Totally unreal. And, and maybe when the body uh, dies, maybe maybe all that goes away. Find out. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. And of course, I'm already telling you, don't believe me. So I'm helping you not believe me. I like to help. Is that helpful? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like that. That's really unusual for you to say that. <laughs> Do you mean that or are you just joking? I mean it. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Something wrong with your wrist? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll stand and dedicate the mirror in the back of our purple champ book. And I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. In addition to our ongoing fundraiser, we continue to need to pay the mortgage and the lights. So any financial support you can give us is greatly appreciated. Thank you. so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Pines, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Soka Koji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, family, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light.